The Confound Millennial is brought to you by the Cinelux Collective. If you're a realtor or a small business owner, these guys are for you. They specialize in drone footage, promotional videos, and uh, virtual tours. And let me tell you, their virtual tours are unlike anything you've ever seen before. You can click through an entire house and online and walk from place to place. It's amazing. You'll get confused. You'll be there you know, on your computer screen. You're like, oh my goodness, I thought I was in my house, but now I'm in somebody else's house. And you know what? I want to live in this other person's house. And then you buy that house. That is what the Cinelux Collective does. They sell things. They bring your business or your uh whatever you do, to the next level. If you're doing a convention and need a promotional video, they got you. You know what? Are you a realtor? Do you need uh, you know, virtual tours and drone footage of housing? Got it. Are you a small business owner that needs uh, a better way to communicate to your customers the vibe of your store or what items you have to sell? Well, guess what? We got it. Check out the Cinelux Collective. That's CineluxCollective.com. C-I-N-E-L-U-X-E Collective.com. You got it? Got it. And welcome to the Confound Millennial, starring Stephen Sturvin Michaels, with special guest host Jonathan Four Reels, and special guest Spike Cohen. What's up, boys? Hi there. I'm doing great, man. How are y'all doing? I'm doing good. It's good to have you both back on and both back on at the same time. I just want to let everybody know that I will be uh, very unbiased. Um, I, it doesn't matter that I'm wearing this uh, this Joe Jorgensen Spike Cohen T-shirt or this Spike Cohen "You Are the Power" wristband. I'm I'm not biased at all. I'm not biased. I'm gonna also, I'm going to remain equally unbiased, even though uh, I am in fact in fact I'm actually more unbiased than Jonathan because I'm not wearing a Jorgensen Cohen shirt right now. Uh, I am wearing two Spike Cohen wristbands, uh, as well as a Libertarian Party of Ohio wristband. Um, and I am on the Jorgensen Cohen ticket. I am Cohen. Uh, but other than that, I am an uninterested third party in when it comes to political questions. Uninterested third party. That's a really uninterested. <laughs> that's really the, that's the new. I'm starting a new party. We're calling it the uninterested party. This is breaking news. Breaking, <laughs> breaking news. news. We're You're starting right it here, here right now. I'm right here right now. I'm going to start a party called the uninterested party, and our our we are built around a very very core philosophy of. And I don't care. <laughs> so. Go ahead and, uh, you know, I know I've had you on the show before, but uh, Spike, who are you? I'm 
Spike Cohen. Uh, I am running for vice president uh, along with my presidential running mate, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. We're running on a platform of setting America free. We are, we see the same things that everyday Americans are seeing in this country right now. We're seeing a increasingly dystopian future, actually an increasingly dystopian present that is turning into an increasingly dystopian future. Uh, we are seeing that as government gets more and more control of our lives, as it is able to take more and more of our money, as it is able to put more and more uh, burdens and hurdles and barriers in our way as we try to thrive, our lives are getting more and more difficult. The cost of living is spiraling out of control. Um, we are subject to pandemics without our medical professionals being able to effectively uh, contain or test or treat them because of regulations that don't allow them to. The cost of higher education and healthcare are absurd. Um, our uh, wages and incomes aren't going up enough to, uh, aren't rising nearly as fast as the, uh, the cost of living is. Um, it is becoming increasingly difficult across the board. Uh, people are being put in cages for victimless crimes, having their lives ruined. It's leading to our homes and our communities being less safe. Uh, we are seeing cases like Breonna Taylor and Duncan Lemp and George Floyd Lando Castile and countless other stories, Ryan Whitaker, countless stories of people being brutalized by the police and those police often not being held accountable in any real way. Uh, it needs to end and it's going to end when we kick out the Republicans and Democrats that created uh, this mess for us and, uh, and, and bring in libertarians who are going to uh, dismantle these oppressive policies and put the power back in your hands where it always belongs. And that's what we like to hear. But, uh, you know, there's one main thing I wanted to bring up, and I'm going to go ahead and bring it up, and Jonathan was telling me it's probably going to piss you off a little. Good. I like that kind of question. Um, it's not really a question, but uh, more of an update on me. Uh, last time we talked, uh, we talked about mental health in America and how you believe it's uh, criminalized uh, to an extent. And yeah. I was editing down that clip to share it on Facebook. An hour later, and I won't get into the details too much because the case is still open. An hour later, I was arrested. Uh, I was kicked off of a property while I was drunk. And I actually, I didn't know what to do, so I called the cops because I knew I shouldn't be driving. I was like, hey, this is going on. These people are doing this. Like, what do I do? And they told me to pull over. Like, they told me a place to go to, and then they arrested me for drunk driving. And it took a solid week and a half for me to be able to get my mental health medication while I was in jail. Wow. I'm sorry that, that they put you through that. And I wish I could say that I was surprised. Um, but that is actually a very common issue with people that are in, that are incarcerated, even temporarily that, the importance of you getting the importance of the people there getting medication in many jails apparently there is zero little to no priority um and i and i i 
I'm sorry you went through that. Uh, there is, we covered a story uh, on Muddy Waters Media of a, a lady who was in jail um, who slowly died because uh, she had HIV and she was prescribed antiretrovirals that had kept it completely at bay uh, to the point to where it wasn't even traceable. She couldn't even uh, spread it to others. Um, and she was also on an antifungal, I think, for secondary infections. And they wouldn't give it to her. And, uh, or they would, they would give it to her, but only sporadically or something like that. And she, uh, she, there's video, uh, from, you know, the footage of the, of the prison. And each day she was worse and worse. And, uh, it turned out she was having neurological issues from infections that were making it to her brain because she wasn't getting her medication and no one is being held accountable for her death. And I, as you said, the case is opening. So the case is still open. So I, I will, I will leave, uh, uh talking about outcomes out, out of it on yours, but we often see that no one is held accountable for these things because of qualified immunity. Yeah. They just are held accountable. They're not held liable. The departments don't hold them accountable because they can't be held liable. So they just shrug their shoulders and say, oh, well, shouldn't have gone to jail then. And I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. I also uh, was, they refused to let me go to my first court case over it because everybody else had court cases at two and mine was at nine and the guard just said, yours is at two. I don't care if it says it's not on your paper or not. So I didn't get to go to court over part of it. Was that held against you? Like, did they do a, uh, like, they had a public defender fill in for me. I have got a lot of questions and I'm just like biting my tongue because you said that this was uh, like still oh, open. Oh man. Yeah. That is, but you know what? And I, and, and like I said, that this, I, there's no consolation here um, other than I'm sorry that it happened. We hear about this stuff all the time. When I do this, you know, I'm going around the country right now doing the bus tour and I have had countless people come up to me and tell me these types of stories that have happened to them. And there are actually things that made them in, in some cases, that's why they're now a libertarian because, you know, when they would go to their local officials, they didn't give a crap about them. Um, and when they looked into, you know, criminal justice reform and things online, it brought them to the libertarian party because we are often the only ones in many cases even talking about that stuff, giving any, anything more than lip service. I, I you know, you, you called the police to tell them what was going on. You got arrested for drunk driving. That part, to that extent, and again, you have an open case, so I'm not going to, but that part, to that extent, okay, fine. While they have you in their custody, you're in their custody. That means that they're responsible for making sure that your health and welfare are taken care of. Something as basic as letting you get medication that you already have be able to make sure that you're receiving it in a timely manner, in your scheduled manner, making sure that you get the court cases and things like that, that's basic stuff. That is, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to do that. 
they often conduct their jobs as though they aren't going to be held responsible because they're not. And that's when someone isn't held responsible, they often can do their job however they want to. And they don't care about the consequences because there are none. So it's terrible. And I'm I'm sorry. This this is the kind of stuff that we're fighting for. And I know, I know that that's why I'm telling you, cause I know that, you know, I now know that, you know, this is happening everywhere, but you know, uh, if there's nobody is wanting to fix these problems, nobody is talking about these problems other yep. than you and Joe. Yep. And that's, We saw this in the debate, uh, in, in the VP debate. Well, we saw it in both debates. In the presidential debate, uh, when they brought up uh, criminal justice, uh, Joe Biden talked about racial equity, and, uh, and Donald Trump talked about law and order. But neither one of them pr- presented any proposals or any kind of policies or anything to fix it. For them, it was because they didn't know of it. And you had two fools up there who had no idea what they were talking about. Uh, with the VP debate, um, Kamala Harris, they were asked a similar question. They were actually asked about Breonna Taylor, the, the uh, lady that was killed in her home by police in uh, Louisville. Uh, Kamala Harris brought up race and brought up banning chokeholds. Um, and uh, Mike Pence said it was terrible what happened to her, but that he trusted law enforcement and then shifted into Antifa and violence on the streets and you know, the the need for law and order. Neither one of them talked about the reason that Breonna Taylor was killed, which was no-knock raids and the war on drugs. And that if you end no-knock raids, if you end the war on drugs, that a Breonna Taylor will never happen again. You'll notice that I was able to say that in 10 seconds. They didn't devote the 10 seconds to saying that because they don't care. Uh, And they would rather take something like that and use it as an opportunity to continue playing the good cop, bad cop with each other uh, in, 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 in the public square. And it was a perfect example of it. Instead of simply saying, these things caused it and these things need to end, and that's our plan, their plan was, I'm going to talk about things to pander to my base and to piss off his base. And he's going to say things to pander to his base and piss off her base. And that's how they do everything. And people who are actually suffering under the system, like you, aren't relevant to this because they're, you're not part of the conversation. The conversation is about having to hate Democrats and vote Republican or having to hate Republicans and vote Democrat. And that's really the only, that's really the only space that there is in the American political conversation. And it leaves Americans who actually need change to just kind of sit there. And, and that's why nearly half of Americans who are eligible and registered to vote don't vote because the system does not recommend them. This does not represent them. And uh, I think their vote should count towards none of the above. And uh, I got, I don't know, I've got like three different questions that came up into my mind while you were talking. I mean, I was listening too, sure. but um, yeah, I was reminded of a question just a second ago. Uh, I'm actually in a rehab now. 
and I asked some of the guys, uh, what would they ask? And then I started thinking half of them don't have an opinion because half of them are felons and can't vote. Now, do you think that because you get a felony, you shouldn't be allowed to vote for life? No, I don't think that while you're a felon, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. The fact that you have committed a crime does not mean you shouldn't be allowed to vote. Now, at the very least, once someone has served their time in jail, I can see saying while someone's in jail, they shouldn't be able to vote, although I think that that's a debate to be had. But I think at the very least, once they are out of jail, once they have served their time, there's no reason they can't continue to vote, even if they're still on parole or probation. That's actually part of the problem with our system is that you have people that, thanks to recidivism, uh, they are effectively never free from their sentence, even once they're out. They have they may have lifetime parole or they may have you know 20 years of parole. And if the conditions that led to them going to jail if none of those have been dealt with and now they have further restrictions on their life, they have a criminal record and they have, you know, parole or, or, or probation or whatever else, they're just going to end up in jail or back in jail. So, no, I, I think that while someone is out, uh, if someone's not in jail, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to vote. For that matter, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to own a firearm. And for that matter, um, there's no reason that that should uh, reflect on their ability to get employment. Because if the, the part of the reason that they've committed a crime is because they can't find gainful employment otherwise, why would we make it harder for them to get gainful employment? So no, they should absolutely be able to vote. And I've had people that come to uh, my rallies and, and when I've gone to other protests and they say, we can't vote for you. And I say, well, I'm still running for you, even though you can't vote for me. Uh, I want you to be able to vote for me. Um, but in the meantime, even though you can't vote for me, I want you to know that I'm fighting for you because you uh, should not have been robbed of your ability to vote. You are being disenfranchised. They didn't stop imposing their laws and their rules and their taxes and their mandates on you. So why on earth would they tell you that you can't continue to participate in the process? And frankly, if the people who are the most victimized by this government uh, were able to have a say in what this government looked like, we'd probably have a government that was a lot kinder to the people. Spike, I have a question. Um, sure. So earlier you said that you meet people at rallies that constantly bring up how they reach out to their elected officials and they don't care about them. And it's very obvious that they don't care about them. And that's what yeah. pushed them to be a libertarian. Um, I hear people say that kind of stuff as well. And my question is, why do you think that there is this narrative especially like online, and I don't want to like point fingers one way or the other, but a lot of people will bring up that libertarians don't really care about people. And it's more about, oh, well, they're just going to be a shill for the corporate overlords. Why do you feel like that narrative gets perpetuated and, and has traction? It's a lazy stereotype that can dismiss us outright. Um, it's the same thing as saying that people that vote green are just a bunch of hippies who want to live, you know, live, you know, in, in, in out in the woods and, and, or, or live in a in someone's backyard, or you know, squat under a bridge, or whatever. Like, I mean, it's 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 lazy stereotypes of people that don't even remotely reflect who they are. Uh, and and it's a great way to to put us on the on the defensive. So if I come in and I go and I'm a libertarian, and they go, oh, 
so you're one of those rich people that doesn't care about anyone and you just want to keep all your money and you know screw over everyone and you let corporations take over the world i'm immediately on the defensive i'm going that's not true i don't want to do that at all I, you know i don't i don't want corporations to take over the world i don't i don't want poor people to starve in the streets or whatever and so it's it's a it's a great way to put people who most people may not know about us immediately put us on the defensive. And it's also just a lazy stereotype. A lot of people that parrot it don't know any better. I see it all the time. You know, I see uh, in our Jorgensen Cohen group where, you know, a lot, we have uh, like 100,000 members now and we have people come on there and go, help, I just got this meme about how libertarians hate my grandmother and, and the poor people and children. You know, what, what should I say? And uh, thankfully we've kind of made counter memes and stuff where we fix those memes and show like, you know, what we actually propose and what we actually care about. But, you know, it is what it is. It's, it, and it's just good old fashioned political smearing. I mean, there's political smears about Democrats, about Republicans, about Libertarians, about Green Party members, about people that don't vote, about independents, you know, about everyone. It, it, it is a, a lazy shorthand way of dismissing people's opinions outright. It's also nonsense when it comes to Libertarians. Uh, I, whenever I'm asked about the whole, you know, rich libertarian who doesn't care about people, I'll say, okay, everyone, show of hands, who here has a net worth of over $1 billion? And I, every once in a while, someone will raise their hand and I'll go, I'm having a hard time believing you, but okay. And I'll say, who here has a net worth of over $1 million? And I've, I've rarely had anyone raise their hands. And a couple of times that they did, they, they were probably telling the truth. But the vast majority of people that come out, uh, to uh, to our rallies, to our events, uh, they're actually at or below the average income level in this country. Not all of them, but many of them are. We are the voice of the disenfranchised. We are the voice of those who don't have political or economic power. The reason that we are libertarians isn't because we want the rich to take over. It's just the opposite. We see that the rich have taken over under, under the system, and we want to take the power back so that we can thrive. So that we can prosper having those barriers and burdens removed, so that we can grow our communities out of systemic and generational poverty, and so that we can have a piece of the pie, not by taking it from anyone, but by simply being allowed to be able to, to, to grow our own. Wonderful. Wonderful. And with that, uh, we have reached our 20 minutes with you, and I have been told that we must kick you out no matter how hard you fight to stay because that you're a busy like man. What, that, that sounds like the orders that are given about me right now. And I do actually have to get ready for my next interview, but I really appreciate you having me back on and, and Jonathan, it was great seeing you again. And uh, I appreciate everything that y'all are doing in uh, spreading the message of Liberty. And, uh, and I can't wait to see y'all again. Good to see you, Spike. Thank Good you. to see you, Spike. Thank you guys. Have a great day. You too. That was fun. That was fun. Spike Cohen, ladies and gentlemen. Spike, Spike Cohen. Cohen. He always gets me pumped up, man. Like I was I was watching the rally that uh, you emceed the other day, and yeah. that's when I wrote about getting him back on. I was like, man, I want to talk to this guy more. Stuff's gone on. I want to hear his opinion. I will I will say that um that that fire that he has does not go away. Like it's not just like a oh he puts it on to come on the interview or like uh go up on stage and talk. Like no, 
he's got that same fire when you're sitting at Waffle House. Like it's, it does not stop. Did he like, cause he a scene like at that. Waffle House? Do what now? Did he cause a scene at Waffle House? Um, I mean, people were definitely questioning what was going on, but uh, the Waffle House knew that we were coming. So I don't, I, I, it's hard to cause a scene at Waffle House, in my opinion, even whenever you cause a scene at Waffle House, I feel like uh, it's always expected because it's Waffle House. Par for the course. You know, you're at Waffle House. Like somebody pulls a gun in a Waffle House, Cook just pulls a gun back. That's exactly right. And that's the way I like it. Waffle House. Waffle House is American. I actually, you know, people think America and they think McDonald's, but I really think they should think Waffle House. It's absolutely Waffle House. Absolutely. That's where you go. You know, it's five in the morning you're sobering up you're like i don't know what to do and like let's just go to waffle house get some eggs you'll feel better you know um i never went back and listened to the interview whenever you had me on the first time um so i'm not quite certain everything that i talked about but i believe we talked about me and politics at some point yes um and uh at that point Like, you know, I kind of like, like I had opinions and things like that, but I was kind of trying to like, uh, keep myself like pulled back because politics can be very, very, very frustrating. Um, especially whenever you're like involved in it and trying to enact change. But, uh, since then a lot of stuff has happened in the world and, um, yeah, people like, like people like Spike got me, uh, put some gas back in the tank and got me riled up again. So here I am being political now (laughs) going out and speaking at rallies. Dude. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And like, you know, I've never, you know, when I started this podcast, one of the four rules that we had was not to get political. And this year has just thrown that, out the window like I don't care anymore and like that's mainly because I finally have found a party I identify with I I I said this on Sunday at the rally I think that most people are probably libertarians um they just don't know it yet or they have a uh like we like spike just talked about they have a um idea of what a libertarian is that's been uh regurgitated to them that's a talking point and they haven't done their research and they haven't actually looked at the policies they haven't or they they maybe read a policy but they don't look at what's behind the policy what they're trying to affect they just think oh well this is going to be bad when for instance something that they talk about um that spike talks about a lot is like the fda and and joe talks about wanting to get rid of the fda and people go well then who's going to make sure that uh you know medicine is safe and food is safe um but they don't realize that the reason why they're saying that is that the organization itself has become so like it's so corrupt it's 
it's run by the people that that they regulate like people leave these these giant corporations and take a pay cut and go to work for the FDA writing the rules to regulate their friends um it, that doesn't keep us safe that doesn't achieve the goal that we're trying to achieve right. <laughs> so why would we keep that corrupt organization we have to figure we have to do something else <laughs> but then people go oh well, they want to get rid of it they want us all to die from food poisoning no <laughs> right. no that's what we're trying to to stop and that's the thing is when when people get political they they think they're being smart but a lot of times they fail to think. It's like it's almost like dealing with have you ever been to a party and then you find that drunk theologian? Oh, of course. You know, it's almost like dealing with a drunk theologian. Uh they have an opinion. They know that they have an opinion, but at that moment they don't know why they have that opinion, but they're willing to die for it. You know, most people, um, most people, if you talk to them about politics and politicians or just the government in general, they will they will either admit that politicians are corrupt or they will admit, for instance, they'll they'll say like, oh, yeah, you know, the police departments are corrupt. They'll admit that. This is just an example. You know, some people might not admit admit that, but they'll admit that this agency is corrupt. And I think that if you were to just think critically and say, if this is corrupt and I can see that this part of the government is corrupt, you should be able to extend that logic right? <laughs> and say, if this one is corrupt, then this one that works in tandem with it is probably also corrupt too. Yeah. But for some reason, there's this disconnect where it's like, oh, well, this is corrupt, but this one obviously can't be corrupt because this one I like. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where the problem comes. It's one thing, you know, this is a little bit of a reach here, but uh, mm -hmm. I meant to ask Spike something, but we ran out of time with him. I meant to ask him if he really thinks, like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think we got to, I mean, I know how Spike feels about the Republican Party, as he calls it. Sure. But, you know, everybody thinks we got to vote either Biden or Trump. And in my opinion, I wonder, you know, aren't they just puppet heads? Like, couldn't there, it, you know, I half the time think, you know, that there's just some secret organization really pulling the strings and well, we're just without, given the freedom of without, choice without getting too uh illuminati confirmed <laughs> here um what i would say is i think that like that's a, like a that's a sexier take on it really when in reality um i think it's the same giant corporations fund both sides it's it's and it's not a puppet master per se it's it's so many puppet masters there's countless puppet masters and they're all just 
outbidding each other for control of the mouth. And uh, that's, that's, I think, a better analogy rather right. than. Than uh, Beyonce pulling the strings back there or something. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's Beyonce. <laughs> um, uh, I had, I, I lost my train of thought on that one, but yeah. <laughs> but dude, it's just, uh, I mean, there's something about Spike and Joe that's just refreshing because, I mean, they could, they could be the best actors in the world and be lying out there at butts like any other politician, but they'd have to be really, really good actors. Because I listen to Spike and I'm like, this is a genuine dude. Yeah. I, I, without getting too like, you know, insider and, and, and like name dropping and stuff like that, like, oh yeah, I was at the rally or whatever. Like, you know, I was there, I was there to MC and speak and, um, I spent the day with Spike. That's, that's who he is. Like he would have to have been, uh, you know, a Daniel Day Lewis stay in character kind of situation um where he's like complete method actor um to you know pull off if if that if it's a character which it's not if but if it was right. he would have to have been on from you know 11 o'clock in the morning when we're at waffle house until the evening i i can't see it and you know see it. like you know i told him about my depression the first time I had him on and I told him you know that partial bit of my story of getting arrested and he was genuinely upset at both times and you could Absolutely. tell that like this is a man that cares about the people I uh I talked I was talking to him about you know what I was going to say before I brought him on stage on Sunday and um, I I wasn't quite certain what I was going to say and people were kind of giving me different advice in different directions like you should say this you should tell this bit you should do this some people were saying go you know heartfelt some people were saying like go funny you know different so many different conflicting pieces of advice and um, so I started telling him a story about my dad and uh who passed away i think we've talked about this on the show before and um as i'm telling the story like i get choked up about it it's a you know it's a rough story and um like he was genuinely upset by it and concerned and uh like you you could tell like it made an impact on him as like a person just hearing it. And he's like, I, I believe he said to me, like the statement was uh, that he hears stories like this almost every day. And it doesn't get any easier hearing it again. And that's part of why he is running because he hears stories about people um, that have either some sort of corruption or barrier that's put on them and it ends up costing uh, them or a family member their life. 
And that happens every day. And I can't honestly, like, I hated even bringing it up. I was like, oh, I brought up like such a sad thing. And like, if he's hearing this every day and it upsets him every day, that has to be very, very stressful. Like knowing that you're going to hear about like a tragedy every day of your life just by being out on the road, that has to be upsetting. Um, but like, you know, it, at the same time, um, it's like, it definitely shows that he's, he's a genuine person. Like people, people are looking like people are desperately looking for a solution to the problem. And they find out, I feel like they find out about the Libertarian Party and Spike and Joe, and they're like, well, this is a stretch, but if anybody can fix it, like, maybe it's them, you know? Because nobody else is out there looking to fix these issues. Like he was talking about, they're just uh, looking to sweep issues to the side and slam their opponents. Well, I, I think the um, the wasted vote, quotation marks, wasted vote argument um, comes into play a lot. And, and once again, I think this goes back to people not thinking critically. Um, unless you live in one of the six swing states where it's a toss-up, which side is going to win. Um, I'm in Alabama. Donald Trump is going to win Alabama. Um, voting for Joe is the only way your vote matters in the state of Alabama. Because your vote for Joe Biden to stop Donald Trump is going to not make an impact. Donald Trump is going to win the state of Alabama by double digits. That is the case for most states. Joe Biden is going to win the state of California by double digits. Your vote for Joe Biden in the or for Donald Trump in the state of California or Joe Biden, period, either of them is not going to matter. The only way your vote actually matters is by voting for Joe because, or, you know, if Howie Hawkins, I don't want to be you know, a hypocrite, if, if that's, that's another candidate who's on a lot of state ballots, he's not on all of them, but that vote counts as well, because it shows that you are dissatisfied with the status quo, and you're dissatisfied with the system, and it shows that to the people who are in power, even if, even if they don't win, it still shows that people are dissatisfied, and if everybody would just think critically, they, they could at least show that they're dissatisfied. Plus, it achieves a secondary um, goal, and that goal is ballot access. The majority of Libertarian Party state budgets, um, they end up paying for just to be on the ballot because you have to go and p- petition in each state. Um, the state of Alabama for the Libertarian Party it requires 56,000 signatures to run someone for office. 56,000 signatures. Those are verified signatures. Um, the way they verify them is uh, they look at the signature, 
They look at the printed name and they look at the address. And if there's a difference in the printed name and like what your driver's license says, if you if your driver's license has David as your middle name, but you put D, well, that doesn't count. You, that's not the same thing. So that signature doesn't doesn't matter. So what turns what's fifty six thousand to just to run for office, which the Republicans Democrats do not have to do. Um, fifty six thousand turns into a hundred thousand, and that's just to run. And you either have to spend, take off, you know, your job for an entire year and literally knock on doors every single day, which by the way, in the middle of a pandemic, is not something you can do. Um, or, or you have to hire people who are pro professional petitioners, which also costs money. So you're either going to lose money by taking off and, and not working and providing for yourself and putting food on your table, or you have to spend your money to hire someone to do it for you. And that's for every, every state ends up running into these situations. And the only way to eliminate that is by hitting arbitrary thresholds of percentages in each state. And each state has a different percentage. And the only way to eliminate that is to get the votes in and get major party status. And once you do that, all the money that is spent on just getting on the ballot can be spent on advertising, getting the word out. And at that point, you know, 2024, 2022 midterms, there's um, a real possibility we might actually be able to shake things up. And I think that's good for everybody. And that, that doesn't just go for the Libertarian Party. That goes for the Greens and the Constitution Party and all of these small parties. We need so many more voices in political discourse. Having two where they just bicker at each other, this guy's bad, vote for me. No, this guy's bad, vote for me. That doesn't help anyone. Right. No one. It's so. So, yeah, this this whole wasted vote thing, even even if you sit back and accept that it's unlikely that Joe and Spike are going to win. You should at least think critically and look at it from a long term. How will this help this help the people? You should look at it in those terms. And if you are in any of the 42 states that are not swing states, you should not waste your vote on Joe Biden or Donald Trump because it is a wasted vote. It will not affect anything. That's my case. <laughs> That's your story. You're sticking to it. But uh, yeah, man, it's just whether whether they got a shot at winning or not this year I think will prove to be a turning point for, I think they will one day somebody in a third party will get into office and they'll say spike and Joe led the way for us to be able to do this. Well, you know, spike, uh, you, it's very interesting. I'm just now putting this together. Um, and I don't know why it didn't get brought up before, but, uh, spike is the first millennial Right. To run for vice president. Yeah, he's a confound millennial. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why that hasn't been brought up before. 
Me but, neither. Um, uh, but if you just, look at... He seems so mature. I know, right? Doesn't he? <laughs> um, if you look at... Uh, I believe those are called elder millennials. Mm-hmm. I believe is what the term is. Um, anyway, so... But if you look at the, the polling data where they look at um, millennials and younger, um, Spike and Joe are doing very well. Um, and I think that does show that there, there is going to become a tipping point. Um, I, I, not to sound insensitive or anything, but you know, the boomers are, they're going to die. <laughs> I mean, I, I have, a, I love a lot of boomers. Don't get me wrong. I kind of identify as a boomer myself some days. Whenever I got on this call, I forgot to unmute, unmute myself, you know, and I've used Zoom so many times and I'm still going, how do I work this phone? You know, <laughs> I kind of am a boomer myself, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're not getting any younger. And um, as, as the political demographic shifts, I definitely think there's going to be a strong outcry for an end to the two-party system. Um, so I just my concern is just that we will we even have a country still by the time that people are ready to accept that. You know what I'm saying? Um, to answer that question is uh, technically, yes, um, we will still have a country. Um <laughs> Will it be the country that you want? Debatable. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, everybody keeps saying, you know, America, freedom. Hell yeah. We're, we're the freest country in the world. If you look at polls, we are not the freest country in the world. Well, that's very, very accurate. I, I want to say. New Zealand, um, I think. Is New, Zealand. One. New Zealand is the freest country in the world. Um. But I also think that uh, I want to say Switzerland is also relatively up there. Yeah. Free. Yeah. Uh, they, they, there are certain aspects that we kind of beat them on, but I think overall, I think they're freer. There's a lot of, there's a lot of countries that, that do have more freedoms than us. It's kind of upsetting, but um but it's it is just, it is. uh, it's that old boomer thought of God bless America, like just the red, white, and blue running through my blood that they don't want to think like, this isn't the America you grew up in, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, I, I love, hmm, how do I put this? I love the idea of, of freedom and that we are the freest country. I love that idea. I want us to achieve that idea is really is, is that's the problem is that we're not, we're not living up to our own standards that we've set. Um, that's a problem. (laughs) We're kind of hypocrites at this point. Um, yeah. But you know, you know, go ahead. No, you go. I mean, I was just going to say, uh, you know, there were in the early 2000s, like we were, you know, spreading freedom to the to the 
to the world. And uh, uh, that turned out to be a lie. Um, but, but at the same time, like, we weren't even really that free then. Like there were so many things like the, the Patriot Act and all this like spying that we didn't even know that was that was happening that that um, you know Snowden had to expose years later. And then of course Hello. you know, like close to a decade now or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. But uh, we're we're about out of time here today, and uh, it's been great having you on. It was great having Spike on. Uh, Good to be back. I just have one question that kind of doesn't pertain to anything that we have talked about so far. Sure. sure. Uh, I know that you are also, you know, uh, the figurative ambassador of uh the blakely trailer park i i was voted in but i didn't uh i didn't nominate myself but yeah sure <laughs> just uh when you go back just make sure that you have a little talk with those boys about coming on my show sometime they're uh you know some accusations have been thrown both ways uh there's a little bit of a podcast war going on I don't know how much they're participating or not in it, but I would like to sit down and chat with them. I I, I would like I would like to um, say that uh, in speaking with with Seth and Willie Fred, um, they are a little bit well. That's a, not the right word. A lot confused about what is happening right now, um, and uh, they definitely don't want there to be any. Uh, hard feelings and and these rumors are insidious and uh, they'll definitely they'll definitely come on the show and, and try to set the record straight because that's always what they do is set the record straight well i'm looking forward to that thank you for coming on the show jonathan and, thanks Durbin. Uh, thank you spike wherever you are and this has been the Confound Millennial, starring Stephen Sturvin Michaels, with special guest co-host Jonathan for Reels. I'm tired of these Confound Millennials. <laughs>